Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. I heard a story this week of a young fella at our church who was driving in the vehicle with his mom. And he, said, he posed this question. Mom, I have one question for you. Do you believe in the power of music? <laughs> and I have to say, I, I do believe in the power of music. It, as many of you know, um, I've walked through a really rough summer. And that song, that's me. The, the verses are me. At the beginning of the summer. The ending is my anthem at the end of the summer. At the end. Having walked through some difficult times, and I've I've asked for permission. We started in in a scenario like this on June 4th. Sitting here looking at you guys. Trying to explain some concepts and trying to be real about where things were, what was going on. And I've, I've sought their help all summer long. I've sought permission today to sell part of the story because it's not only my story. Being in the summer, you guys will, will know that, that, that we, as we sat here, I, I tried to explain some things. And Greg did a wonderful job of explaining how the summer was going to go. This is my first time standing before you or sitting before you. Um, being able to share, again, from my heart. About a year ago, my wife, um, 10 months ago, my wife came in with a very bad case of pneumonia. For three weeks, she was knocked to the floor. And it took her until after the first of the year to kind of get back up on her feet completely where things were kind of normal. And immediately thereafter, she begin to develop some sort of a condition where when she'd eat at times, her lips would swell and her tongue would swell. We went to the ER one night and we we did several other things. About the 1st of April, uh, after some testing and seeing a couple of doctors, we uh, came to some conclusions that she was under a certain amount of stress and anxiety and she had a certain deficiency. That was the beginning of April. About the end of April, um, I had been out to a meeting late in the evening and I had... um, come home to find that my wife had talked to Crystal about one of my daughters, worried that she may have an eating disorder. Just so happened the next day, I I, I didn't call Greg when I got home, and we spent an hour on the phone being good educators and not just teaching, being aware of the conditions of their students. They were very concerned. Next day, God just ordered the steps that I was heading to the Orange Conference with Derek and Johnny Ewan and Brandon Schlichter. And I didn't work at the office earlier that day because I was leaving to drive to Atlanta. And so it worked out that the school schedule at school was one of those testing schedules. And Sierra just happened to be home, and she's the one that was having the problem. And Rachel was gone. Everybody else was gone somehow. It just ended up being me and her. 
And we had a chance to have a daddy-daughter moment that we hadn't had in a really long time. And we get to pray together. And she got really honest and open about some things. And I left. She allowed herself to be exposed to her mom. They began to share my fitness pal that Rachel knew what she was ingesting and eating and all that sort of thing. And by the time I arrived home, during that week, we'd go to these, these uh, practical ministry things. So we'd learn how to apply all this stuff we're using. And it was supposed to be like nuts and bolts and practicality. But I found myself like it was God opening my chest and doing heart surgery on me. I, I, I was, I, you can ask John, Derek, any of them. I was having a hard time keeping it together for most of the week. I came home to find my wife talking to me about Sierra, that she thought it wasn't, ju- it wasn't maybe just an eating disorder, possibly. Maybe there was something physical going on, which prompted a conversation with our doctor, the wonderful Dr. Beam. That Monday, we got her to the doctor. He was, she was there, his last patient that afternoon. And I came home with enough time to watch the boys before, and we literally passed each other in the, in the, in the, the door again. Rachel said, Dr. Beam thinks there's some medication we can put her on. It's not just a, it's not the eating disorder necessarily. He's, he's got some issues going on. And we can talk about that when you get home. I said, great. So I went to my meeting, came home. All the kids were in bed. And my wife says, here's what Dr. Beam says. She's under some kind of anxiety. So we've got some medication we could put her on. And then I said, but I want to tell you a conversation Sierra and I had in the waiting room before we saw the doctor. And Sierra began to tell Rachel that she felt disconnected from me. And in that moment, I would have liked to have said that my heart burst with compassion for my daughter. But it didn't. Literally, out of my mouth came these words. I do not have time for any more emotional stuff. And as soon as those words came out of my mouth, my mind began to run 100 miles an hour. And my wife has just been diagnosed with an anxiety issue, a stress-related issue. My my daughter is now having it. and, And I've been crying and crazy for the last five or six days. And I... And all of a sudden, I looked at Rachel, I said, I'm quitting. She said, what? I said, I'm quitting. She said, why? I said, we are not going to be that pastor's family. And if ministry is being that hard that you have an anxiety issue, Sierra's got an anxiety issue, we're disconnected, I don't know what's going on inside of me, but I'm done. We are not going to be, I'll go get another job, I'll work two jobs, I don't know what I'll do, but we're not being that family. And my wife lovingly walked me through about an hour and a half of conversation, and, we, and she said, Aaron, you don't have a heart not to do ministry, there's just some things you've got to get sorted out. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And we come to some conclusions in our conversation, maybe Aaron was burnt out, you think? And so, that Monday morning, I, I failed to say this, this wonderful lady sitting here, had to sit in a very awkward circumstance that Monday morning before I collapsed at my house that late that night. I walked into Nancy's office, went to go give her some things to do for us to have a conversation, and for 20 minutes I sat there and cried inexplicably. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I walked out her 20 minutes, and I went, I guess I should have given you something to do, but I can't keep my mind together right now, and I don't know what's going on. And Nancy loved me through that, and she walked me through that. A couple weeks later, we had a conversation, and she pinpointed something in my heart that needed to be addressed. 
A week later, my wife and I and Sierra are sitting on our front porch on our swing, and guess what? I'm reading a blog from a pastor who faced burnout, and he's telling you how to do it. He says, guess what? If you think you might be a pastor's burnout, you should read this blog and help you walk through it. And It was 11 signs you might be burnout, and you get to the bottom of the thing. He says, if you have half or more of these, you need to change some things about your life. If you have more than half, you need to immediately go see your doctor, go get some counseling, and take some time off. And my wife, I, I went, well, I'm batting 10 for 11. And Rachel went, no, you're 11 for 11. Because I, I didn't read something in the parentheses on one of the, one of the things I tried to talk myself right out of, which is what we do, right? I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I mean, I'm bad, but I'm, I'm not that bad. And I was. Fortunately, at that moment, I, 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 we, we made an arrangement to go see Dr. Beam. We had an elders meeting already on the table, and so I, I was walking uh, with these people sitting around us right now, trying to make sense of it. I realized a friend of mine who, sitting right back here, um, was in much the same condition I was in. And I hated that. And so we sought help. And these elders, they walked with me through it. They were willing to do whatever it took to make sure things kept going, that I could get well. Shooting straight with me about some things I had to get straight. My wife and my daughters did the same thing. I went to see Dr. Beam. He was amazing because you know what? He sat and talked to me and he's un he was under a lot of duress at that point. There was some transition going on in his life. He took a wonderful napkin, which I wish I would have brought, to me, brought today because I still have it on a whiteboard at my house, where he began to write. And he wrote me not just a prescription to help me get some medical things under control. He wrote me a relational, spiritual, emotional prescription to get some things ironed out, and it was awesome. And I've still got to say this. Events and circumstances often unveil not just the content of our uh, content but the trajectory of our hearts and lives see it wasn't just that i was having problems there were some things messed up in here it was the trajectory of my life was off and i was facing a crash and burn there were lights on the road going it's out ahead it's out ahead it's out ahead if you don't stop you're going to be, fall to destruction you are going to be that statistic you are going to cheat on your wife you will find yourself addicted to something you will end up there it's out it's out it's out get something fixed get something fixed get something fixed and and, and i had to i had to stop long enough to listen I was responsible for a lot of what was going on, but those things weren't just to make me know I was responsible. It was to let me know that if I don't change something, there is a bad moment coming up ahead. Proverbs 27, 19 is kind of the theme for the day. As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. The reason these people are sitting here in this very awkward circumstance is because without them, I could not have survived. And they helped me see the, the heart of the man that I had to stare out in the mirror every morning. They helped me understand that, 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 that there were things that weren't right. You guys, you guys saw the word on the screen that said, a summer affair, don't freak out. <laughs> the word affair means this, an event or sequence of events of a specified kind that has previously been referred to. So we talked about it on June the 4th, we're talking about it again, we're going to talk about the sequence of how things happened. Are you understanding me? 
Aaron is not in any kind of, like, I was in really bad shape, but I'm not anymore. And I did nothing, you know, my wife, she's still sitting here with me. But I could have been. I was towing the line in a really dangerous place emotionally and all that stuff. We left you thinking about Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, and these words read like this. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-breaded cord is not easily broken. Those are the last words of Scripture I read with you here in this context. And we said things like this that morning. Relational connection doesn't keep us from problems, but it does make life and trouble bearable, endurable, conquerable, and enjoyable. There's no exemption here for following Jesus. You don't get to avoid problems. But your connection to him relationally, not just ceremonially, ritually, relationally, and your connection relationally to the rest of the body of Christ will help you get through the trouble if you tap into it. If you avoid it, it won't happen. Relational connection also does this. It's what brings life, brings meaning to the gains in life. It's what makes what we do in life enjoyable. When we gain something, there's people to rejoice with us. When we get to hang out and have a good time, it's a good thing. When we weep. We have somebody to weep with us. It is what makes the, the life life. Relational connection offers protection, ensuring endurance, success, and a get-back-up moment. And every one of us are going to need to have a get-back-up moment. We are all going to fall down. We are all going to fall and bust our face. We are all going to get in a fight and lose. It's going to happen. But if you don't have someone there to help get you up, you can't get up. A relational connection with Jesus and his people brings warmth and keeps us from falling to destruction. Even when life is cold and frayed. I sat here with a rope that last time that had a knot hung, tied to it. And, I was, and at that point I was barely hanging on, honestly. And because of, of relational connections, things began to turn around. Now, events and circumstances, listen, this is the main point. Events and circumstances often unveil not just the content, but the trajectory of our hearts and lives. You may be going through it something right now. It, it, God's endeavor in that moment is not just to help you see what might be creeping around inside of you. His, his, his work right now is to help you see where you're headed without a repentance moment of turning around. Hey, that, that, that's what's going on right now. Whatever's going on that's hard, that's difficult, that's frustrating, that's ugly, that's hurtful, that's whatever. He's going, listen, the road's out ahead, the road's out ahead, the road's out ahead. Turn it around, turn it around, turn it around. And if you don't have relational connections, it ain't going to happen. They won't keep you from problems, but they do make life trouble, life and trouble bearable and durable. Conquerable and enjoyable. I want to say something to Patrick a little bit ago. I'm going to refer to this in a moment. He was really kind to me the other day. We were at their house. And he said, Aaron, I'm glad you're better. You were preaching kind of mean and angry before you left. Thank you. But see, a friend says that. A friend lets a friend in a loving way know where they are. They shoot straight with you. They let you know where things are and where they need to be. 
I looked at her and I said, was I really? He said, oh, dude, you were really, yeah, you were getting really angry. And if I was, I want to say to all of you, I am sorry. Because you're God's kids, you're not mine. If I'm being angry with you, I've hurt him. You know how it would be if somebody just went off on your kids? What would happen? Oh, I know what happened with my kids. I'm just saying. See, here's some things I've learned over this summer. Relational connections helped me recognize the brokenness in me. See, right now, the worst thing you can do is think I'm talking about the other person sitting next to you. The worst thing you can do right now is think I'm talking about your spouse or your kids or your neighbor or your coworker or somebody else. The worst thing right now is you think I'm talking, about, I'm talking to somebody else. Because you know what? We are all broken. We are all tore up. Not one of us in this room are perfect. Not, none of us will ever be perfect. Right now, I'll bet you if you get really gut level honest with, about, with Jesus and with the word of God and with the people who matter most, I'll bet you could uncover some really quick. And listen to me. Most of the problems you have in life are self-inflicted. They're a combination of decisions you have made and anxieties you hang on to and bitterness you keep riding with and all of that stuff. Listen, 20, Proverbs 27, 9 says, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Only did Patrick speak into my life? My wife spoke into my life. This young lady right here spoke into my life. That young lady right there spoke into my life. You know what they did for me the day after I left here? A broken man didn't know if, I, if I'd be back, or if I could be back, if I'd ever be fixed. These people here, along with my daughters and Cinnamon, you know what they did? They woke me up to a birthday breakfast on June 4th, 11 days before my real birthday. Because that one was going to Africa and she wouldn't be here for my birthday. And we had French toast and they presented me with gifts. One of them's hanging right there on the thing. My daughter gave me this thing that says, He makes me lie down in green pastures, Psalm 23 too, that we hung in my office at, my, at our house so I could look at it every day when I was in there. This one right here created a playlist just for me on Spotify, which was awesome. And it helped me like process and listen to things and, and get through things. And you know what she also did? She bought me tickets for me and her to go see Switchfoot and Lifehouse, which was just awesome. We had a blast. That was at the end of summer. That was cool. Like the very, one of the very last things I got to do was go spend a night seeing Switchfoot and Lifehouse with her over in Dayton. And it was sweet. Nancy spoke into my life. One night at the elders meeting, Greg looked across the table from me. You know what he did? He said, Aaron, can I shoot straight with you? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he said, Aaron, I've been, I've been the youth pastor at this church for three and a half years. You asked me to help with that, but you know what you haven't done? You've never made a phone call to me. You have never had an issue going on and say, Greg, can you handle this? Can you preach for me Sunday morning? Can you, take care of, can you take care of this? Can you go see this family? Can you do that? You have never done that. And he looked at me across the table and he went, Aaron, that's got to stop. You're not asking for help. Now, some of you are going to be like, well, who's he talking to you like that? You're the pastor. No, listen, I'm a dude that's broken, man. I need people like that to speak into my life who love me enough to say, Aaron, that's what's making this situation worse. Need that. Need somebody to look me in the face and shoot straight with me and say, Aaron, I love you, but you're messing up, bro. Need that. 
You might this summer also me relational connection helped me apply the biblical concept of Sabbath, which most of us Americans don't do well. We don't understand it. Isaiah 58, 13, and 14 like this. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interest on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath and everything you do on that day and don't follow, listen to these words, don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. And right away, some of you are going to get really, so why don't, we, why don't we worship on Saturday then? Everybody knows the Sabbath is Saturday. I really don't want to have that debate, okay? Let me explain something to you. Hebrews chapter 3 says Jesus is our rest. We don't get just one day of rest. We get a whole life of rest if we're really in him. And we choose to observe Sunday as the day we got together. You know why? Because that was the day he rose from the dead. They went to the tomb and he wasn't there. So you don't need more. I don't know if you eat more than that, but that's what we do. And here's the deal. Jesus says words like this. There's the principle of Sabbath and there's the observance of Sabbath. We know, according to the, Old, the New Testament, all the ritualistic pieces of the Old Testament we are no longer obligated to. Jesus tells us no more sacrificing, no more of that stuff. That is over. That, that, that part is gone. But Jesus says we should apply the principle of Sabbath, which means work. You come this far and you stop. I get to be a human being, not just a human doing. And here's what I was doing. I was going through the ritual of Sabbath. Here's what I mean. I took a day off. But you know what I did? I kept looking at text messages. I kept looking at email. I kept answering phone calls. I had a great pastor mentor of mine who said, Aaron, if you can't take a day off and, and you have to answer every call and help everybody out the, the, because they have a problem, the people calling you aren't the people with the problem you are because you are nobody's savior. And I stopped playing by that principle. My wife and kids looked me in the face one day and say, dad, you're, not, you're here, but you're not here. You take Friday off, but you're not here. You take a day off, but you're not around. We may even do things together, but you ain't here. Sabbath was made for man, Jesus says, not the other way around. We need it. We need to just be at times, not work 24-7. Our families are crumbling around us. You know why? Because sometimes we're not, we're, we rarely are all of us together in one place anyway. And when we are there, we're doing all kinds of other things, whether it's these things, whether it's the sports, whether it's the, the thing. And we, we go, we run here, there, and everywhere, but we're never together as family. We're doing a lot of activity, but we're not really connecting. We're not really, we're sitting with the, the newspaper or the Twitter or whatever we're doing, and we won't leave the stuff alone. We're kind of in the same room, but we're not there. And the people around you need you to be there. My people needed me to be there, and they let me know I wasn't there. If there's a circumstances, unveil not just the content, but the trajectory of our hearts and lives. That's just the way it is. Without a relational connection, we'll still have problems, but we, won't have, we, won't, we will have trouble. But they, they, they will, we, we, we need to have them, these relational connections, so we can get endure through them. Endure through them. Conquer them. And find enjoyment in the middle of it. Another thing I learned this summer was relational connections helped me reprioritize my priorities. 
Matthew 6.33 reads like this. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. The word righteously isn't necessarily a connotation of how many right or wrong things you're doing. The word righteous means to be in proper connection to God so that the connections with everybody else are in proper order. Are you understanding that? And so what he's saying is, You've got to have your relationships sorted out correctly. Live righteously. Live in right connection with God so you can live in right connection with people. And he'll give you everything you need if you keep your priorities straight. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring enough worries of itself. Today's trouble is enough for today. Nancy and I started having conversations, I don't know, a year ago. Neither of us were sleeping at night. I hope you're better now. I got out of the office for two months and she got better. Read into that what you will. I got into the office. I got out of the office for a couple months and I got better. I don't know what that means. I hope it's not Nancy. I don't think it is. I went to see a counselor. One of the beautiful moments how God orchestrates things around your life is Pastor Sean Howard was here last Sunday. And right in the moment I collapsed, we happened to be going to Columbus together once a month for some pastor's training. And he looked at me and said, Aaron, how's things going? I'm like, are you just asking to make small talk or you really want to know? Because we've got like an hour drive and I need to talk. <laughs> he said, no, dude, go ahead, bro. And I said, all right. And at the end of it, he goes, Aaron, this is not uncommon. In our denomination, ch- churches are, 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 are over, our oversight people are making it mandatory that every three years a pastor gets six weeks off because we're seeing so much burnout. At least six weeks off. And he says, you know what else we're doing? We have a counseling center up in Akron. And if a pastor or a missionary is completely frazzled, they get, they, as an assembly of God pastor, they get to come here for free. He said, I want to put an information in your hand. He handed me a card. And so for part of my summer, I, I, went, I went for counseling. Can I say something to you and really be nice? Some of you need to go see your doctor. Because you've got some physical things that are out of whack that are just making the emotional duress worse. And you need to go see a counselor. And you need to admit that you need help. And you need to go get some. I talked to this guy named Jeff who worked in ministry for a lot of years. And he helped me pinpoint some things. He said, Aaron, you don't delegate. He wasn't even in the room with the elders. He wasn't there with my wife. He wasn't there when Nancy talked to me. And he pinpointed three things. And he said, Aaron, you don't delegate well. You don't rest well. You're not connected. And guess what? You've got some resentment and bitterness in your heart you've got to deal, deal with. And he didn't even know Nancy had that conversation with me. And I had to get, you know what happened? Resentment and bitterness became my idol. I, my priorities were out of whack because everything I did, I did because I was frustrated and angry. I wasn't doing it for the glory of God. I was doing it because I was just anxious and uptight and tore up. Jeff's response to me was this. You need to, here's the problem. Here's the problem. The person I was most angry with was dead. How do you deal with that? He said, brother, you need to write a letter. And so I did. He said, but you need to go beyond that. You need to have a ceremony where you let go of it. It might involve taking a drive to a cemetery. It might involve burning it up. But you've got you to let go of it somehow. i can be really honest. The writing of the letter wasn't hard. I mean, it was very matter of fact. I, for four pages, I wrote. When I just let it all out, man, I just, and I, I was still kind of angry, kind of frustrated, kind of tore up, and I'm just writing, and I'm just 
texted my wife, my wife, at one point, we were making some progress, but we got kind of stifled, and one day my wife looked at me, and goes, have you done that last thing Jeff asked you to do on the list? I was nice about you were, you were very nice about it. And I went, no, think maybe you should, and I went, mm-hmm. She left the house that morning on the job she works. And I started writing. Jumped in the vehicle, started driving toward a cemetery. By the time, the closer I got, the more emotional I became. To the point of, by the time I pulled into the cemetery, I'm like that kid who just really made mom and dad really frustrated and angry and got that butt whooping nobody wants. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know this one. <laughs> and I pull in up, to, up, up near where the grave was, and I get out of the car, get out of the vehicle, and I'm just a blubbering mess, and I'm hoping nobody's paying attention. I sit Indian style in front of a headstone, and I start to read, and I'm just completely like, <gasps> See, some of you don't even realize what you're, what you're worshiping. You won't let people speak into your life. Anytime somebody thinks about saying something to you that helps you get things ironed out, you, you get frustrated and angry. And guess what? These events that keep making you frustrated are telling you your heart isn't where it needs to be and the trajectory you're on is, is, is leading to destruction. And you need to listen to all of that. Proverbs, another thing that happened, can I tell you this? I realized I did have an addiction. The one thing that, that I, I wanted to, the one, the, the one, the one warning sign that the, the, the guy in the blog post said, that I, if I was burnt out, he said, you're medicating yourself. I looked at that one, oh, dude, I'm not drinking. I'm not taking no pills. I'm not doing that. And Rachel goes, read the parentheses. <laughs> I wasn't nice then. No, you weren't. <laughs> and in there it says, you indulge in overeating. In about, in about six months, I gained about 20 pounds. It's true. And so my wife and I had a, one, of, one of Dr. Beam's prescriptions was this. You and your wife need to date. Hallelujah. I like that prescription. That's wonderful. And because some generous people knew we were having some downtime, somebody sent us in the mail some passes to Kings Island, only two. And we got like six in our family. So we just presumed they thought we, me and Rachel should go on a date by ourselves. And so we took, a, we took a Tuesday afternoon and we went to Kings Island, just me and her, man. It was awesome. We rode every roller coaster and everything. And the whole time we're walking around, I'm like, we're going to the fest house. I could see that brat and that kraut and all that stuff. And I'm like, yes. And we walk into the fest house, right? And it still says fest house on the outside of the building. It still looks very Bavarian. And you walk into the fest house. The only thing driven in there is Budweiser beer. There's a Chinese thing in the fest house. There's an Italian thing in the fest house. There's American thing, hamburgers and hot dogs in the fest house. There's nothing German. They don't even have the people with the legger hose anymore. It's some 90s dance show thing. And so we ran all over the park trying to find a bratwurst, which we could not find. Right? 
And so we get in the car on the way home. We had a good time most days because, you know, Aaron, I kind of noticed, like, I thought we were having a good time. And, like, you know, sometime late in the evening, you started really, like, not having a good time. <laughs> and I looked at her, and, I, and we had started, Greg and Crystal kind of gave us some food for thought about diet and stuff, and I was trying to apply that stuff. And Rachel goes, I go, yep. And she goes, you want to talk about it? And I went, I just want to eat something that tastes good. I just want to, I just, and I, for about, you know, we're up there near Lebanon. We're driving towards that big bridge. Over there, and I'm just, I just want to eat something. I want to, my, my taste buds to be tantalized. And I'll just, and I'm just, I'm just like going off, like completely. And there's no embellishment. Is there any, am I embellishing? And Rachel goes, and she was just, it's a, she goes, babe. You think you might have a problem? <laughs> and I went, what? She says, you sound like an addict who can't get to their stuff. <laughs> and see, there were two things. Because of resentment, I began to indulge in other things to try and fill up the mess. You understand what I'm saying? Now she's mad at me. You know why? Because all I needed was that shock into reality. I'm proud to say right now, as of yesterday morning, I am 20 pounds lighter than I was when this whole thing started. <laughs> and I got my little fitness pal thing working, and I'm counting it, boy. And I just, until last night, yeah. and those burnt sugar cookies. <laughs> and, and, and. And, and so, but, you know, I, had, I needed that shock. I needed like, dude, you're an addict. Acknowledge. Because I got, I'd gone through the whole rest of the list. I had done the letter thing. I went and cried at the cemetery. I had connected with these guys. I had done something. I got my kids back in. I did all of that, right? But something still wasn't clicking. You know why? I was still not let, looking at that one area. I still wasn't, wasn't willing to admit I still had that problem, which was the one thing on the list at the beginning I, did, I didn't have under control. And I needed somebody to go, Aaron, wake up. My priorities were messed up. Now, here's the important. Relational connections help me realize the importance of provocation. Hebrews 10.25 sounds really nice in NLT. Listen to these words. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is wrong. It sounds very pleasant, doesn't it? Encourage one another. Encourage one another, right? The message reads like this. Listen to verse 24 and 25. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together, as some people do. I mean, Pastor Sean referred to this last week. If you're going through a bad time, the absolute worst thing you can do is cut yourself off from the family of faith. Do not neglect that. Do not neglect your small group. Do not neglect your church family. Do not neglect those people at work who are good friends of yours, who have the same faith you have. Listen, the worst thing you can do when you're in a bad time is neglect getting with the people of God. Right? Those are these words. But spur each other on. Now that takes a whole different thing. A couple of translations use the word provoke one another to love and good works. Okay? Encourage sounds really like, yeah. But here's the deal. We need provoked sometimes. Not to be talked to nicely. Greg, you know, you do have some problems. You're going to be okay. You're, you're good. Last thing I need was regular. Aaron, you know, you're just under a little bit of stress. 
you know, just keep doing what you're doing. I need him to go, dude, you're not delegating. I need my wife to look me in the face and go, Aaron, you got a problem. I needed that guy to go, Aaron, you're preaching mean. I needed that. Are you hearing me? And we avoid that. Right now, if some of you, if somebody in this room walked over to you in a spirit of love like these guys did to me and went, you know what, you got, you're really screwed up in this area, you'd get mad at the wrong thing. You'd get mad at them for bringing it up when you should get mad at your flesh for making it happen in the first place. You should get mad at Satan for, for making, it a, making it easy for you to, to, to fall into that. You, get, you, 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 you should get mad at those things, not the people who are trying to help you out. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Do you hear that? This is the Bible. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Some of you would, would choose to walk away from that because they're going through a bad time. You just want to get into the mess. You're not being a very good friend if you're just, I'm just, I'm loving on them. I just don't want to really get involved in that. Listen, their life is heading towards destruction. God needs somebody to step in front of the, 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 the path of the destruction. And he, if he's made you aware of where the thing might be out, you need to be the person to help get in there and provoke some alterations of the, 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 the path. That doesn't mean you don't do it without love. You understand what I'm saying? Wounds from a sincere... goes on to say, verse 6. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Wounds from a sincere friend. Wounds from a sincere friend. Can I say it one more time? Wounds from a sincere friend. So... Now, I've come to the conclusion over the summer. I want everybody in this church who serves in any kind of capacity, who, are, who is toiling for the cause of Christ, who's, who's trying to make sure the family of God, the people of God, the name of Jesus, the kingdom of God is, is, is known in the earth. I want these words from Ecclesiastes 5 to be true for us. Listen to these words. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun. The few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. God wants you. Solomon says, I want God, it would be good for people to, in their work, in their toil, to find enjoyment, to find satisfaction, to find hope in the middle of what they're working in, working through, working over, working out. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot, to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. My prayer for you is that you would not just live life at a normal level and be frustrated and angry like everybody else is on the planet. Just watch the news. But in the place you God has planted you, that in your toil and in your work, you would rejoice and find the place that you are to be the gift of God. This summer was excruciating, but it was the gift of God. I have my wife and kids. We were driving home from Columbus the other day, and my wife and kids, we were in the van. And you know what they told me? They said, we are so glad this Aaron is back. We hope the other one never comes back. We like you like this. Oh, I cried from like South Bloomfield to Circleville. 
I mean, I was just like, dude, I was so messed up. And God, you've been so gracious. They didn't give up on me. For he will not much remember, listen, for he will not much remember the days of his life when he's enjoying what God's doing because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Don't you guys want that? I mean, really? Like, I, I, God's put me here on purpose. It's not easy. It's not always fun. But I want to rejoice in it. I want to like, man, this was an awesome ride. God, you did something crazy with a broken up dude, a tore up guy, a crazy man who listens to crazy music and is hyperactive. And you did something and it was awesome. And I don't want that just for me. I want it for every one of you. That you find your spot in the kingdom. That you find your spot in life. And it's not toil. It's rejoicing. It's not. It's a gift for you. It's hope for you. It's life for you. And if you listen to these words I've experienced, listen, you will find them. You will. If there's a circumstance unveil not just the content, but the trajectory of our hearts and lives. You need relational connection. They won't keep you from trouble, but it'll make it bearable, endurable, conquerable, and enjoyable. And I hope you're getting the message. Hebrews 12, 3.12 reads like this. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be any of you an evil, in, in, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. He's talking to Christians, followers of Christ, leading you to fall away from the living God. Whatever's happening, your heart, your circumstances are, are going like the, hey, wake up. You have an evil, unbelieving heart. You're, you're, you're falling in a direction you shouldn't fall. You're going away. But exhort, that's again that hard, not just encouragement. It's like, dude, get in each other's grill. Make a difference right now while it's called today. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Anything God tells you to do, you don't do, it's sin. Anything you should, the Bible tells you you shouldn't be doing, and you do do it, it's sin. And it hardens your heart. Every time you choose to do or not do something you know you're supposed to or not supposed to do, your heart gets a little more hardened. Every time you don't forgive like you're supposed to forgive, your heart, your heart gets harder. Every time you lie or tell a half-truth or don't get honest with you or Jesus or the people around you, your heart gets a, your heart gets a little bit harder. For we have come to share in Christ... We have come. These people are sitting here. Why? Because we have come to share in Christ. And I could look out there and there's Karen Wolford sitting right back here. You know what she did every week of the summer? She sent Rachel and I a card with scripture references. And she didn't, she didn't get in, 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 into our stuff, but man, she did get into our stuff. Like they were right on time, man. I'm telling you. Magnets just put on the fridge. And I mean, it was like, wow, she doesn't know what I'm going through, but she knows what I'm going through. Wow, that's crazy. That's good. Thank you, Jesus. Kim Ward's in here somewhere. Where's she? I don't know. Is she around? I saw her car parked out back. That woman, she's found the, the, the gift of GIF on the, on, the, <laughs> on the text message thing. Right? And so like every other day, we get this goofy thing. Just thinking about you guys and somebody like on the, you know, woo, you know, the staff. Todd Fitzick and Jay Scott, John Scott, our home group, Jason and Tanya Andrews, Beth and Dot and all you guys, Ashley, all, all of you guys became a fortress for us, man. And you loved us in spite of ourselves. And man, I, I'm just telling you, 
this, you know, I don't know if it's just me who haven't been away, but it seems like the last three weeks, you guys out there have done as good a job leading worship as the people on the platform. It sounds good from where I'm sitting, and I mean that honestly. It sounds like people really love Jesus in here. And I don't know if I wasn't paying attention before, or I just got so clouded with all the junk, but I've been sitting here for three weeks now, and when I hear you singing behind me, it sounds awesome. Let me ask you a question. Let me paint a picture. We're all, we are all responsible for one another. All of us are. We're, and we have to be available to be encouraged and to encourage. What if the world saw us as those people Jesus talked about, that we would be known as his disciples because of the way we loved one another? What, 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 what if? What if in our deepest troubles we didn't run away from each other, we ran toward one another? What if in in the times of the most difficult calamity and the most emotional duress and the most crazy thing, what if in that moment we became the people who were really gracious and kind? Spoke truth. See, somehow we think those are two adverse ideas, to both be gracious and speak truthfully. They're not. The Bible says Jesus operated in grace and truth simultaneously. And we are his followers. We should be able to do the same thing. Now imagine for a minute if every one of us in here were going through a hard time and the people of God could both shoot straight to us and grab up underneath our arms and hold us up as we were walking through it and we were walking through it. Imagine what that would be like. Imagine what the world would go, dude, what are those people doing? They are messy people, but man, they love each other. They're walking this thing out. They're helping each other be better. Man, just imagine for a second what that would look like to them. Because that's what they crave. They know they're a mess. They know things are jacked up. They know it. They know things don't add up. They know their lives are a wreck. They know they can't make sense of things. They know they're, they're addicted to stuff they shouldn't be addicted to. They know they're doing things to their families. They're just horrendous. They know it. But what if, what if all of a sudden somebody goes, you know what, dude, you're messed up? They went, yeah, I kind of am. And he went, I love you anyway. Let me, help, let, me, let me help you. I mean, do you want to just bail out or you want, you want help up? I can help you up. I won't bail you out necessarily, but I'll help you up. What, what, if, we, what if we did that? Let me ask you a question. Do you recognize this morning your own brokenness? Well, I've gone long. I didn't want to go this long, but hey, whatever. Let's just have church. Do, do you recognize your own brokenness? Right now, do you, do you, can you pinpoint the areas you, you hurt or are broken the most? Right now. Do, do, do you allow, uh, do you readily and regularly apply the principle of Sabbath? Are you, are you capable, are you capable of just resting, just being at home with your family in prayer? Are you capable of, of just being a follower of Christ, not needing to do something to make yourself feel better about yourself? May I say, do you realize the importance of being provoked by other Christian people who are on the same journey you're on? Do you recognize that? I mean, let me ask you another question. Do you avail yourself to the possibility of encouraging and helping others through their deepest, darkest days? Or are you so busy because you're not practicing Sabbath, you can't help them? Because I was. Can I say something to you? Throughout all this, here's the gloriousness of the gospel, man. Jesus never let me go. 
I realized Friday night, sitting at my house, we watched the Beauty and the Beast with my kids and stuff. And guess what? I realized I was the beast. And I blubbered like an idiot over the kitchen sink trying to clean up dishes. They're just like, are you okay? Nope, I'm not okay. I'm still not okay. I had, a, I had a blubbering issue in the office on Wednesday. Just lost my mind. And I'm still not completely whole, but I'm better. And I sat there and I went, I was the beast. And you guys loved me anyway. Boy, that's special. That's special. I mean, I, and so, so I recognize, I recognize, and Jesus never let me go. But here's the other part. Here's the other beautiful, beautiful part of it. Neither did his people. He didn't let me go. They didn't let me go. You didn't let me go. Oh, my goodness. This morning, we want to recognize the great commitment of Christ to us. No matter how hard the journey was for him, he never quit. Never quit on us. We've got to respond to him and his body. Both the, the symbolic body of Christ and the actual physical body of Christ. The, the symbolic, the bread and the cup, and the physical, the people sitting around you. As if we've got to respond to both of those appropriately and gratefully. You know why? Because they're what makes the difference. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.